This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. The breaking news tonight, the calls for Governor Andrew Cuomo to resign get louder as New York's two senators say it's time he stepped down amid sexual harassment and misconduct allegations. Andrew Cuomo defiant. The Democratic governor rejects calls to resign. And tonight, why Cuomo says he won't bow to cancel culture. Vaccine milestone. The U.S. administers more than 100 million COVID doses as President Biden makes a big new promise, a closer to normal Fourth of July. But can the president deliver? $27 million settlement. George Floyd deserved better. One of the largest police misconduct payouts in history. COVID plagues college basketball. Three powerhouse teams withdraw from their conference tournaments. What does it mean for March Madness? Anti-Asian hate crimes surge. And the president calls out the vicious violence. It's wrong. It's un-American. And it must stop. Major winter storm. The central U.S. prepares for heavy snow and thunderstorms on the final weekend of winter. Netflix warning why the days of sharing your Netflix password could be coming to an end. Honoring Ruth Bader Ginsburg just days before her birthday and during Women's History Month, a seven-foot statue unveiled for the trailblazer. And CBS's Steve Hartman goes on the road to introduce us to this year's most unlikely Grammy nominee. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you for joining us on a busy Friday night. And we are going to begin tonight with some breaking news. This is a political bombshell. New York's influential and embattled governor, Andrew Cuomo, has just lost the support of two of the country's most powerful Democrats. As we are coming on the air, we just learned that Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer of New York, along with that state's other senator, Kirsten Gillibrand, is calling on the governor to resign. Cuomo is the head of the National Governors Association and the leader of one of the country's largest states. And he became an international celebrity for his handling of the coronavirus crisis. But after accusations of mismanagement and a series of allegations of sexual harassment, the man once dubbed Governor COVID now finds himself isolated and rapidly losing support in a dramatic fall from grace. Now, tonight, Cuomo is hitting back, denying the allegations and decrying what he calls 
cancel culture. The White House today refused to say if President Biden still backs the governor. Focusing instead on the bold new vaccine plans and deadlines Mr. Biden announced in his primetime address to the nation overnight. And CBS News has learned that one of the president's signature promises, payments of $1,400 in government stimulus money, are already arriving in bank accounts tonight. We've got a lot of new reporting for you and your family on a lot of major headlines. Our team of correspondents is standing by. CBS's Drika Duncan is going to lead off our coverage from New York with that big news. Good evening, Drika. Good evening to you, Nora. This really has been a startling turn of events with this joint statement coming out tonight from Senators Chuck Schumer and Kirsten Gillibrand saying that the governor has lost the confidence of his governing partners and should resign. Tonight, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo is once again denying all allegations lodged against him. I have not had a uh, sexual relationship that was inappropriate, period. I'm not going to resign. In recent weeks, seven women have accused the governor of sexual misconduct or harassment. The sixth accusation came from the Albany Times Union, which reported that a female aide to Cuomo alleges the governor aggressively groped her late last year while she was alone with him in his private residence. I never harassed anyone. I never assaulted anyone. Uh, I never abused anyone. The pushback comes as the majority of House Democrats from New York are calling for Cuomo's resignation, including Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Chairman of the House Committee on the Judiciary, Jerry Nadler, released a statement saying the repeated accusations against the governor and the manner in which he has responded to them have made it impossible for him to continue to govern at this point. We have to move forward in New York state. Uh, And we must move forward with a leader in whom we can be confident. And today, New York Magazine says it interviewed more than 30 women who have either worked with or interacted with Cuomo and found that bullying was a defining element. Last week, in an exclusive interview, Nora spoke to former Cuomo aide Charlotte Bennett, who also described the workplace. What was the culture like in the Cuomo administration? It's generally toxic. It's generally pretty scary. It's the most stressful place I've ever been. Today, Governor Cuomo called out members within his own party that want him to resign by saying they are ignoring the truth and bowing to cancel culture. Nora. Jerika Duncan, thank you. Tonight, the first direct payments from the president's COVID relief plan are hitting bank accounts. But there are questions about whether President Biden will be able to deliver on two of his new goals to make every adult eligible to be vaccinated by May 1st and for the country to be closer to normal by 4th of July. CBS's Nancy Cordes reports tonight from the White House. Here is one of the first direct payments from the IRS. It popped up in a bank account today. The funds still pending for a couple of days. We are showing it's possible to get big, important things done. In the White House Rose Garden, President Biden and a group of socially distanced Democrats celebrated their passage of the law that made those payments possible, the $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan. This legislation includes the biggest investment in child care since World War II. That's not hyperbole. That's just a fact. Today, governors on the left and right said they can meet Mr. Biden's new directive to make all adults eligible for the vaccine by May 1st, but only if they get more doses. 
I think getting to the president's uh, objective is absolutely doable, but it's going to require um, a significant increase in available supply. Federal officials say weekly allocations should grow from 16 million doses now to 24 million by early April. White House COVID coordinator Jeff Science. Uh, the next couple of weeks of supply overall are relatively flat before supply really starts to accelerate towards the end of the month and then into April and into May. The White House announced it will help states handle the surge by doubling the number of pharmacies in the federal vaccine program to more than 20,000 and by authorizing more qualified professionals to administer the vaccine, including dentists, optometrists and veterinarians. And Nancy Cordes joins us now from the White House. All right, Nancy, the question so many people want an answer to. What if you don't see the stimulus check in your bank account this weekend? The IRS says tonight, Nora, do not be concerned. These payments are going out in batches. And, of course, paper checks are going to take even longer. But they say if you're concerned, if you want to know the status of your payment, you can go to a special Get My Payment tool on irs.gov starting on Monday. Nancy Cordes, thank you. And we're going to turn now to that landmark settlement in the George Floyd case. The city of Minneapolis agreed today to pay $27 million to Floyd's family to settle a civil lawsuit for his death last May. The question, could it impact fired police officer Derek Chauvin's murder trial? We get more now from CBS's Jeff Pegues. This was the moment last May. Derek Chauvin with his knee pressed into George Floyd's neck for approximately nine minutes. It sparked a social justice movement that led to a summer of unrest and murder charges against Chauvin. And now today, a unanimous vote in the Minneapolis City Council. There are 13 eyes. A $27 million settlement for George Floyd's family. On behalf of the entire city council, offer my deepest condolences to the family of George Floyd. The settlement includes $500,000 for the community at the intersection where Floyd was killed. Floyd family attorney Ben Crump. It sends a message that the unjust taking of black life will no longer be written off as trivial. The $27 million amount is one of the largest known police wrongful death settlements on record. Last year in Louisville, Breonna Taylor's family received just over $12 million after her death in a botched raid. The Floyd settlement was announced on the fourth day of jury selection in Chauvin's trial. So far, five men and two women have been seated. If a juror should hear that there is a $27 million settlement with the family, the jury has to believe that the city would never pay that kind of money unless Derek Chauvin were guilty. Opening statements in Chauvin's trial are said to begin at the end of the month. Jeff Begay, CBS News, Washington. And there is some more breaking news right now. The U.S. is passing a major milestone, 100 million coronavirus shots administered. But there is also a warning of a possible new surge in COVID cases as more of those states lift restrictions. Texas is fully open for business tonight. And in many places, the masks are off. Here's CBS's Janet Chamlin. It could be a wild weekend in Texas. The first Friday since the state dropped its mask mandate and occupancy limits. A packed dining room expected at Houston's Kindy Restaurant, where they're fully open. Masks not required, but recommended. The regulations allow customers to choose their own uh, choice, then we follow that part. 
a different plan across town at Common Bond Bistro, allowing only 25% capacity with tables six feet apart. We're in the fourth quarter. We think we're going to get to a point soon where we can take off the mask and our employees can be safe. Houston has a problem tonight. It's the only known city nationwide with all concerning COVID variants. There will probably be continued spread of the B117 variant here in Houston. We need to get everyone vaccinated as soon as possible. We need to keep our masks on. We need to socially distance and so forth. Austin is still enforcing its mask order and the state is suing over it. Today, a judge set a hearing for later this month. At least 15 states, including Texas, no longer have restrictions on most or all of their businesses. That includes South Carolina, where crowds in downtown Charleston were partying like it was 2019. Very foolish, very unwise, against public health guidelines. And these are super spreader settings. And tonight, March Madness has been tipped off balance after players tested COVID positive, forcing three of the top men's basketball teams to withdraw from their conference tournaments. It's a brave new world here in Texas tonight with the state's biggest spring break week about to start. Texas is officially 100% open, but in reality, it's a patchwork of rules as some bars, restaurants, and other businesses are still enforcing mask wearing. Nora. Janet Chamlian, thank you so much. And tonight we were stunned when we learned that the Justice Department says it expects to arrest at least 100 more people in connection with the Capitol attack on January 6th. More than 300 people have already been charged. The investigation, which is still ongoing, is one of the largest in U.S. history. Prosecutors say investigators now have 15,000 hours of body cam and surveillance footage and have received 210,000 tips. We want to turn now to the disturbing surge in attacks on Asian-Americans during the pandemic. A new study based on police numbers found attacks increased nearly 150 percent in 16 of America's largest cities. President Biden made it a point to condemn the attacks during his primetime address. We get more on this from CBS's Weijia Zhang. It's wrong, it's un-American, and it must stop. The advocacy group Stop AAPI Hate has recorded more than 3,000 incidents since the start of the pandemic. On Thursday, 75-year-old Pak Ho died in Oakland, California, after he was knocked to the ground during a robbery. The city's police department said the suspect has a history of victimizing elderly Asian people. Vicious hate crimes against Asian Americans who've been attacked harassed, blamed, and scapegoated. The president has also condemned the racist rhetoric used to describe the virus, a stark contrast from his predecessor. Kung flu. The China virus. I do believe that kind of rhetorics really helped fuel a lot more um, crimes and attacks. Yunhan Zhang experienced it himself. When a man shouting slurs pepper sprayed Zhang in November at his tea shop in Washington, D.C. Zhang is hopeful that President Biden's message will prevent others from getting hurt. At least now we have a first step. Then uh, with more efforts, we can maybe make a real difference. Lawmakers have introduced new legislation to combat this surge of crimes, including one measure that would direct the attorney general to create a new position at the Justice Department to review all the cases. 
Nora. Weijia Zhang, thank you so much. And we could be headed for a wild weather weekend. A tornado was spotted late today, not far from Lubbock, Texas. No reports of injuries, but that could just be the start of things. The Rockies and Central Plains could get between one and three feet of snow by Sunday, maybe four feet in the mountains. The Southern Plains could be hit with tornadoes and hail, while flood watches and warnings stretch all the way from Kansas to Kentucky. A warning tonight to those who share their Netflix account. The streaming service is looking to put an end to that. Netflix is testing a new verification system with a warning message for viewers who log in on another's user's account, letting them know they need to sign up for their own account. And a larger-than-life statue of a larger-than-life Supreme Court justice is standing tall tonight in Brooklyn, New York. The seven-foot-tall bronze statue of Ruth Bader Ginsburg was unveiled today, three days before what would have been the Brooklyn native's 88th birthday. Justice Ginsburg died in September from pancreatic cancer. All right, so what comes to mind when you think of the Grammy Awards? Glitz, glamour, parties? Well, not for one nominee. He's happy right where he is playing the blues. Here's CBS's Steve Hartman on the road. About 2,000 miles from L.A., where the red carpet turns to dust, we found this year's most unlikely Grammy nominee. Every day, 73-year-old Jimmy Duck Holmes and his biggest fan welcome customers to Jimmy's Blue Front Cafe and Juke Joint in Bentonia, Mississippi. Graceland, it is not. You don't read music. No. You don't write music. No. You don't write lyrics. No. And you're up for a Grammy. I guess it's a divine thing. I don't know. Jimmy is the last of the old Bentonia bluesmen. Morning, morning. A brand of blues known for its haunting, hypnotic style. Morning, morning. For decades, Jimmy has played mostly here at the Blue Front. I said every. But a couple years ago, his friend and manager planned a trip to Tennessee for what Jimmy thought was a sightseeing tour. So let me get this right. You didn't even know you were going to Nashville to record an album? I had no idea. He insisted I bring my guitar, but he wouldn't tell me what the deal was. So I said, okay. And that's the way I am. You want to hear it, I'm going to play it. And that's how this old-time blues pioneer ended up next to this eight-time Grammy-winning musician and producer named Dan Auerbach. He just sits down and he starts playing, and songs start coming out. So you just made the whole thing up as you went? Completely. This was a beautiful moment that I was lucky enough to be a part of, really. It was also a moment that will never be repeated. Jimmy never plays the same song the same way twice. The record, Cypress Grove, is up for Best Traditional Blues Album. If you win this Grammy, are you worried it's going to go to your head? My head is like a concrete floor. It don't swell. Can't swell it. If anything, Jimmy says it will only make him more humble. When you've got something that you can share, that's an honor. The honor of sharing a gift. Jimmy says that's more than enough to keep him endlessly happy. Singing the blues. Every Steve Hartman, every CBS News. On the road. Such a gift. And now I'm rooting for Jimmy to win. You can watch the Grammys Sunday night right here on CBS. 
Sunday on 60 Minutes, Dr. John LaPook takes us inside the lab where scientists are racing to sequence new coronavirus variants. And a reminder, if you can't watch the CBS Evening News Live, don't forget to set your DVR so you can watch us later. That's tonight's edition of the CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell. Have a great weekend. See you Monday. Good night. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.